And this dude is super prolific. It was like 90-some albums over 50 years and like never anything about him. One of the biggest selling recording artists of all time and nobody cares because he released 90 albums of... Uh, elevator music. Of elevator music. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Track driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I finally, and it blows me away that I haven't done this yet, I finally interview somebody who is a collector of something as a hobby. And it's actually two gentlemen. So I interview Dan Davis and Kevin Prof, who are obscure record collectors. Um, in addition to just being record collectors in general, um, they really focus on finding really weird, obscure records and then researching these records, which is so cool. And, and really is what collecting is all about, right? Is not just having a ton of stuff, but it's just really delving into the world of the thing that you collect and starting to research and learn a lot about it. So they get to do that on an individual basis with these weird, obscure records, but I'll let them talk more about that. So without further ado, here is Obscure Record Collector. Kevin, Dan, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Hi! Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. That was your nerves there, just coming out in the hello. I love that. Oh, my God. Uh, so I would love to know what made each of you guys get into record collecting. Like, if you could tell the story about it. I love, like, with hobbies hearing like the origin story of a hobby for somebody because usually it's like all these dominoes fell in a very particular way they landed in in this person getting into this hobby so what's the story of how you guys each got into record collecting um well for me it, it starts it starts actually kind of with a sad story what, what happened was is that we had a, a neighbor who lived down the street from from my family um and her husband passed away and when that happened it was one of those things where she was just getting rid of everything all at once um and as a result i got like uh, the first thing and i think the thing i was more excited with at the time was i got all of the old video game consoles but then i got um uh just this giant collection of just like every record they had ever bought like and we got it and we got like the old turntable which uh this is before i figured out that you had to like actually get a proper amp to go from the turntable to the sound system so i would listen to records by cranking the volume all the way up yeah. which is i i figured that out the hard way it's good to buy like an amp or a preamp for it, but that's that's um wait sorry yeah, so no, what I, what age were you when this happened i was i had to have been in elementary school i had to have been young enough that um right because no no no. this was middle school because my brother had moved out of the house at this point so i must have been like like 11 or 12 when i just first got all of these records and um none of it was stuff that was particularly like they weren't like good records is i guess the only way to phrase it so as a result <laughs> i got all of these like kitsch records from like the 60s and the 70s and and uh like weird jazz albums from the 80s that weren't really all that good but but like i i think it was the fact that i just had these physical things that i'd only seen in cartoons up to this point yeah yeah <laughs> and like that was the thing like that was my only interaction with it it was the shock of actually like i knew what it was had never seen one or held one and now i suddenly had like 
200 to sort through. So that's that's how it starts for me. It just it, it got worse from there because I got a boxes and boxes of Kitsch records. So in looking back, you think that the guy that had that collection was probably just going to like the bargain bin inside record stores and be like, look, this is only like a dollar. I'll take it, whatever. I, I think that might have been it, but I think what it really kind of illustrated is that um, I think record collecting and in the sense of like people going out and like, oh, like this is such a rare vintage thing. That was more of a nerd thing up until that point. Everyone was just buying records because it was the thing. Like you realize like, oh, this is so everyday and this is so, you know, he was just buying stuff probably that he thought was funny, you know, or, or you know, him and his wife thought were funny like old Jewish comedy records, like, you know, crooners that they liked, uh, uh, like four tops, like record collections, you know, so it, it was just whatever. Um, and I don't think it was just going to the bargain bins. I really think it was, you know, you have, you have someone's entire like taste laid out in front of you and you just yeah. you bought records cause you bought records. It was, you know, uh, that's as far as I can figure. That's really cool. Kevin, how about you, man? Yeah, I think um, my story is a little bit simpler. I think it was just a sheer curiosity. I was a, a CD collector in high school, just loved picking up music that it really interested me, especially going back through like uh, my parents' catalog of music. And in that was like cassettes and stuff. But after a certain point, I was like, oh, I really just like exploring more and more like weirder styles of music, different things that are really like stand out. I guess I was kind of becoming a bit, a bit hipstery, but, um, after, after a while I was like, Oh, there's all this really cool old stuff on, on record and vinyl. And just like, let's just see what this stuff is and start figuring out what its backstory is. And I think, um, we'll come back to that later, but like, there's just something about going in and finding something that just like, you have no idea what to expect when you turn it on and just let it go. And then you find that there's a whole story to it. Yeah. Buying, buying like wow, dollar records, like blindly is the most fun thing ever. <laughs> that's really interesting. I never, I never even considered that until you guys just talk about that. And then like just researching what it is that you actually have and everything. I, the whole record craze of right now, or like resurgence of records, I guess I, I should say it, it makes so much sense on so many levels. Like obviously the fact that nobody has anything tangible of any kind anymore, everything's digital. So it's nice for somebody to have something tangible. And as well, there's so much shitty music being made. Like there's also, you know, really great independent music being made, but in terms of like the pop culture scene, it's, it's for the most part awful. So like I, I saw this, uh, uh, this article written the other day that was saying that, um, one of the Pink Floyd albums was on like the Billboard Top 100 or something. Like right now, currently, like, and it was the first time that like <laughs> wow. a uh, an, an album from like that long ago like came back into. And it's like that says something, I guess, about the rest of the pop culture music being made right now. That something from you know 40 years ago is outselling it. I, I guess so, but I, I think one of the things we learned from doing this, and and this is this is a position I've always held, is that. Um, pop music and pop culture just kind of always sucked. Like, <laughs> yeah. like we, we have the convenient, the kind of the beauty of record collecting. I think what a lot of people get out of it now is they have the ability to construct the music history they want out of the records that they buy. 
Um, where I like going to the like, you know, I, I like the stuff like buying records or going to the dollar bins because it's just like, oh no, people really were like going out and just buying like John Wayne records and like everyone has the same like, you know, collection of ABBA songs, not to dig too much on ABBA, but you get what I mean in that like I – I I understand that people are trying to grasp for what they feel might might have been like a better past or like a, a past that had like greater music, but I mean for for every Pink Floyd, you know, you had like uh, oh man, I was going to say something nasty about Jeff Tall. I really shouldn't do that, but <laughs> you can just uh, say uh, Abba all over Starship. again. Jefferson Starship. There yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely, man. That's very true. And today, I mean, we are so fortunate to have the independent music scene, which wasn't even a thing back then. I mean, now there's just so much phenomenal music that's out there if you want to listen to it. True. I I mean, I guess... I think, too, one of the other things is that I think it it kind of has that same element of, like, book collecting that, like, you can't ever really truly leave a physical medium behind. Like, Yes, magazines and newspapers may be going out the window, but, like, there's something about having the physical item that in certain instances is really hard to let go. Right. And and in a world of, like, streaming and everything, like, you can get all your news and your music and entertainment in in the cloud, but there are certain things that just, they feel really good to hold in your hands. So are are you guys in favor then, uh, in favor of, or do you dislike the recent resurgence of records to the point um that you brought up earlier kevin of the whole entire hipster thing it's kind of like not very hipster to be doing something that so many other people are doing so it's just kind of ruining it for you well you know i would say one of the interesting things is uh, the actual integrity of the music um, like physical integrity it turns out that vinyl is actually a really great way of recording uh and digital well, of, of releasing yeah, yeah and and releasing but like compared to like digital recording where you actually are losing certain sound elements it's actually a really high fidelity method of recording and and distributing well, music i i think I, I don't think it's ruining it um because a lot of people like try to point it like oh this is a hipster thing and it's bad and it's just I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's just fun. I think it's good that we're getting back to it. I think it's good that everyone's doing it. I think you're going to meet hipster douchebags everywhere you go, but you can't. <laughs> no, you, you can't let that ruin anything you like. It's like uh, I uh, pe- people gave me shit for record collecting because it's just like, oh, it's such a hipster thing to do. And it's like, fine, call me a hipster. I'm having fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's really it, 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 first of all a couple things here. It's really interesting to me that the that hipster is like thrown away and thrown around as like this derogatory thing. When like I consider myself a hipster basically just because of the fact that I I think I dress pretty well. You know, like so I, I guess like I dress in a way that people would consider like oh you look like a hipster or something. But it's right. like look man if that means I dress well like I'm totally okay with that. You know, <laughs> whatever uh, you want to call it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, and the other thing is I I like the your open mindedness with everything because something that <clears throat> I think that we need a little bit a little bit less of in society and the world is like let's say uh, somebody at a yoga class saying oh i like i hate it when someone comes in when they like just want to work out like this is supposed to be really spiritual and this is supposed to be this and supposed to be that it's like i'm sorry but like who the hell are you man with what this is supposed to be like uh, you know everyone should be allowed to enjoy everything in whatever way they deem fit to enjoy it you know 100 exactly. percent. yeah 
So let's bring this back to uh, to you guys a little bit. So mm. I I know from talking to you that you guys are into like quote unquote obscure record collecting and like you mentioned kitsch stuff and and everything. Like, what exactly do you classify as obscure record collecting? <clears throat> we were talking about this before. I was talking about this with a friend of mine on the way to this interview, and we're I think obscure is just the closest word to. We we can't find a single word to define the kinds of records collect other than the random shit that we find in record stores that makes us laugh or that makes us raise questions about what it is. Sometimes um, it really is just an element of looking at something and being like, "What the fuck?" What you know, like like what's happening? <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's it's like does it pass the what the fuck test? Like, did you actually ask that about it when you saw it? Seriously, exactly. several times. Like that's that's what he did when he bought the James Last record, which James Last is this. German composers, successful composers of the 20th century. And this dude is super prolific. It was like 90-some albums over 50 years and like Whoa. never anything about him. That's it, just insane. One of the most, one of the like biggest selling recording artists of all time and nobody cares because he released 90 albums of... Uh, elevator music of elevator music <laughs> <laughs> and, but but that's the thing is that he i guess you know kevin well because well, you found it so we were we were discussing the the possibility of doing a, a drinking show and needing some kind of music to go along with it and the album is all in german but it had like all these bottles and and jars it was like pictures of martinis and things like that and so i just start like google translating everything on there and it's just like this makes no sense it's like hard drinking and partying music for playing and then we listened to it and it was the weirdest most insane like elevator music and it was it was like the same sound happening for the entirety of the record. It, it, instead of a, a music, instead of getting a record that was about drinking songs, it was a record that drove us to drink. Um, and that's kind of, <laughs> it's the kind of stuff that people aren't looking to re-release on CD or, or digitally or anything is what we're interested in. If we've never heard of it, if it raises more questions, the more we look at it, then that's good. So whether, and it ends up yeah. falling in two different categories. Either you have something like that with James Last where you have a person or a band or something that was really popular at a certain period. And just fell out of vogue. Yeah, like it just it didn't stand the test of time. And then you'll have stuff on the other side where it's like this is just a product of somebody's imagination. Nobody's heard this. It's gotten no no listens anywhere. You're like, just, like a lot of the dirty comedy records that I have or that kind of thing where it's just like nobody thought to re-release these because these jokes aren't funny anymore. Yeah. And, or like um, they haven't held up. We have I wish I could remember the name. There's a Swedish jazz a Swedish jazz album that I found and it's like the the research on it found for us that there was actually a huge jazz movement in Sweden through like the 20s and the 50s. But this record in particular was just a piece of shit this dude made because he loved that music. <laughs> yeah, he he was he was like a high school teacher who was just like, and I mean, it's not a bad record. It's just it's nothing special, but it, it's still. It just it is. We we learned about the 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 incredible Swedish jazz scene because of. Somebody who no who, who had no impact on it. <laughs> That's so interesting. So, all right, let's let's talk more about the research that you guys do once you pick up these weird records. So, was that part of the reason that you like the obscure records? Is because it leads to all this this other stuff afterwards? Exactly. We when we were developing the idea for the show, um, I, I 
and I still hold to this criteria, we don't want to review um, records that are like like we didn't want it to be like a normal like music review show like you know like here's this new record that came out or like oh here's this great rock album it needed to be something that would be a source of discussion and we wanted to be able to have fun with it and also we wanted to pick things that would inspire others to if not seek it out but at least understand what it is yeah. like um we did a record on the history of rock and roll and it's narrated by a uh, radio DJ from like the 60s. And he's still alive to this day. And he was doing uh, radio shows on uh, XM radio for years. Um, but it was just like, it was interesting to hear somebody's take on the way Motown and everything. Well, it was, it was the history of rock and roll, but it was the history of rock and roll as it was happening and kind of changing in the 60s. Like from from ten years ago, at the, when at the time rock and roll was invented, to then, and and that made for just more of an interesting kind of account for us to listen to. So, I, I think it's really that that was the thing going in, and that's part of that's that compels at least like the fun side of my record collection is just anything that raises questions and want and and compels us to look into it. Yeah, one of the uh, so I listened to I think it was the most recent episode of your guys' podcast, I believe, maybe not. Um, but it had uh, Tolkien reading either was it Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit? It was both. both. Okay, like it, it, that it was, was a two record thing. Yeah. That was so interesting. Like it, it's there was something almost like haunting about like his voice and the way that he reads these things and um, like. What, what just what an unbelievable like well i don't even know why that exists like the you know him on a record reading his own book um it, it like how often do you find something like that something like more interesting like that or are you kind of seeking it out or, or what's the deal there um that's just more a matter of luck sometimes in that case it was our friend greg had this record and he he brought it up to us and we said, we want you to come on the show and talk about that because that is like the coolest thing ever. It was, it was so just out of nowhere that that could exist. And then when we did the research, it was like, this helped him keep up his interest and his love for the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit books because he hadn't been published yet. So it was like, this it was a friend of his who recorded it and set it up for him and it was like this exists solely because he needed a reason to keep believing in it wait 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 that's <laughs> so incredible like, so this is before the books even got published he's reading this before they were well, before lord of the rings got published after the hobbit but but before lord of the rings yeah wow interesting so no it's sometimes we're looking for that sometimes it's just a matter of you know and occasionally sometimes episodes aren't as interesting just because we've done the research we sit down and what we get back is kind of minimal but I think one of my favorite ones that we did was uh uh music to stop smoking by which was it's just a jazz album there's nothing special about it as an album but it's advertised as a record to listen to so you will stop smoking cigarettes and what we learned through the process is that it was released by Roulette Records. And, you know, I was just doing basic research. It's like Roulette Records, mob ties. It was basically a front <laughs> to a, a mafia organization. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a front to a mafia organization. It was a very successful front to a mafia organization. Um, and Roulette Records, uh, I think the most famous thing they released is some Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers and the song uh, Crimson and Clover. 
But like I said, sometimes it's just pure chance. We're not always looking for it. We, the answers you find are, are so much more bizarre, like oftentimes with the more uninteresting sounding records. And that's what makes it satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you just blew my mind in so many ways. The first of which is I am a big, especially when I was younger, a big Jimmy Eat World fan. And in that one song on Bleed American, he, at the end of the song, he says Crimson and Clover over and over, Crimson and Clover mm-hmm. over and over. And I never knew what he meant by that. I just thought he was just trying to say some hipster stuff. But uh, he's probably talking about playing that album over and over, or playing that song like over and over again. Oh, I, I never okay, knew what no, that no. was. Crim- Crimson and Clover over and over is actually the, the ending line of, of that song where it really they really do say Crimson and Crimson and Clover over and over. Sorry, I, I sang. <laughs> I thought it was um, beautiful. But uh, no, no, it's it's a it's a song worth looking up. I'm really forgetting the name of the artist right now, and, and I do apologize for that. Uh, um, but it's a song worth looking up. There are a few really good covers of it, and it's something that gets referenced a lot musically for for one reason or another that I still haven't picked up on. It's a song I like, but but people seem to have gravitated towards that one. It's it's an important kind of release, but uh, it's worth checking out. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. And so the other thing that blows my oh, mind about it's, that is oh, it's, uh, Tommy James and the Shondells. Is, sorry, it was the artist. Okay, um, cool, man. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. And then, so do you guys ever try to collect valuable records, or is that like does doesn't really matter at all? Like, if a record that you get happens to be valuable, then then that's cool. Um, I I think it's more the in the latter camp. Uh, collecting valuable records is. I don't think, and maybe it's just an age thing, but like, I don't have the kind of disposable income to really be going out and like buying like first pressings of Beatles records or, or things like that. Um, but do you think that you would even if you did? Um, there are certainly some records that I have more interesting collecting, maybe less because of their their value, like monetary, like or, or their rarity or something like that, but because. Well, didn't you just pick up the um, which, which reset one? of. Um... Of the replacement? No, yeah, no, 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 no. That, that was a repress. Uh, more oftentimes than not, like if it's an artist I actually cared about, I'll either bear, buy the new repressing, but uh, uh, I, I can't imagine a point where I'd actually really want to buy for monetary value because it, then it's it's like a, it's like that whole thing about like buying a really expensive jacket. Like you don't want to wear the jacket all the time because of how much money it costs you to wear the jacket, so it stays in your closet. And you remind yourself that you have a nice jacket. Yeah, totally, um, man. <laughs> And and I don't want to do that with any record I buy. If I if I buy something, I want it to be personally valuable to me. Um, which is why the, the, that's great. Yeah, and it also it's probably like you know having this hobby that you love, and then going and getting a career around that hobby, and sometimes that can kind of ruin your love for the hobby in the first place. I, I imagine right. like if all of a sudden you you start putting this money label on all these records that you have, that 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 kind of bastardizes a little bit the the love that you have for it. Pretty much. I, I mean, my in my entire record collection, I think I have 20 records that are things I wanted to buy because it was music I liked. None of that is particularly valuable, with the exception of maybe one. And the rest is just, I don't know, it's, it's just fun. Like, I, I just do it for the fun. I'm not... You know, I'm not obsessed with getting rare pressings of jazz records, which is such a real thing. Same, mm-hmm. same with blues records. Um, well, I guess, I guess anything like that, but I just... I, I don't have an interest in that part of in that part of collecting in any sense. 
So for each Again, of you guys, what uh, what is your favorite record? Monty Python's Matching Tie and Handkerchief is my favorite record as like a, a physical record. I'd say the X Los Angeles one, but I love this one because the record itself is a joke. Um, for one thing, it's titled Free Record. The actual title of the album is Free Record included with the purchase of the Monty Python Matching Tie and Handkerchief. And it, it's shaped like a like a box, and when you pull it out, you know, because it's got like a little window in it being like, oh, here's the tie and handkerchief in it. You pull it out and it's a man being hanged by a necktie um, with a handkerchief in his pocket. Um, and uh, uh, the B side of the record, or for one thing, it has no track labels. It's all just a single groove on one side. But the B side, which is also labeled side two, both sides are labeled side two. So you have to figure out which one's which. It's just yeah. a big yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah, totally. but, no, no, but the actual B-side of the record is two grooves. So if you put it down in a certain place, you're actually going to listen to a completely different record Like as a result. And you can't really figure out where it is. You just have to keep putting the needle up and down to, to get to the right groove. That's crazy. So is that why – so you were talking about how you thought it was going to – like are there records that you find and you're like, oh, man, like this is so weird. This has got to be worth a lot. And then you look it up. You're like, oh, wait, never mind. It's not. Um, I don't know. Well, it's – I've never really thought that because for the most part when you go into a normal record shop, like they have the valuable records already up on the walls with like a price tag that says like $270, something like that. So the record stores kind of do that for you. When you're just hunting and pecking, sometimes you find things where it's just like, this is probably worth like maybe $10 or $15 more than what they're selling it for here. And for that, you're getting a really good bargain. But for the most part, it's, it's actually, I, I've never had that moment where I've picked out a record and been like, this is gold. Like, it's just never occurred to me like that. Yeah. We get that feeling after we've done the research and find out that we've actually struck, like, research gold. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I think it's more important to us is just is the humor value to it uh, than anything else. But, yeah. Like finding out that John Wayne was a white supremacist. Oh, yeah. John <laughs> Wayne's really racist. John Wayne's, like, so racist and made a record about how <laughs> – well, not how racist he is. That was It was of. basically – he released a record where he basically was – like trying to recuperate from saying some things in a Playboy interview that were like, yeah, I believe that blacks need more education before they can lead in this country. Oh, yeah. And he said he actually said the words, and I think I'm quoting verbatim, I believe in white supremacy. Yes. It's a real thing John Wayne said in a Playboy interview. So he made uh, this record, which is our most recent one uh, that we've put up on our podcast, um, which is uh, America, Why I Love Her which is John Wayne spouting hilariously patriotic shit for the entirety of the record. This just failed with racism. So do you ever like things like that? Um, do you ever do research and like almost wish that you hadn't done the research? Um, well, the John Wayne stuff wasn't shocking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess the only one that made me kind of sad, although I'm happy we did the research is one of our earliest episodes, which we haven't converted into podcast format. It's still on our YouTube channel. Um, was this one that I had? Uh, uh, oh, it, what was the name of the co- that comedy record? The Dirty Songs record. Uh, uh, Girlesque, Girlesque, um, and it, it has. It, it's just like cheesecake songs, which I actually learned what cheesecake meant. Kevin gave me some shit for for saying that a lot during the episode. But it basically it's just like dirty, you know, like like pinups and things like that. But. Um, they were just like dirty songs, and we learned that the the woman who sang was, was you know she was a black singer, 
but is hardly credited. Faye Richmond, there are no pictures of her on the record. It's it's a picture of like some like mostly nude white woman, and she is hardly credited, if at all. And it um, sounds like from from our research that she probably never really worked again yeah, in the industry after. And that. it was one of those things. It was a sad story to hear, but we were kind of at least happy to 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 know who it was that we were that we were listening to, and that it provided me a lot of joy with songs about a guy having hot nuts. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's also yeah. about it's it's shedding that light on the history that maybe you know otherwise would go completely unnoticed and and actually uncovering a little bit of information and especially now in this age where you have access to records of all and I mean records like historical records like there's a lot more information out there and chances are it, it, even maybe ten years ago you probably couldn't have really found that much information. It, it, like it would that. have taken us weeks to do the kind of research that we can do now and like just you know, like 10 minutes even. Oh, so, totally. Which is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like this whole new hobby has been created. Like the, the ability to do this thing, like you said, I mean, I mean, maybe it would take, I mean, if you could get anything at all, you know, you have to go to your library and try to figure some stuff and, out. And dig and, through like the microfiche machines for, yeah. for like three hours, which I miss a little bit. Like <laughs> I, it was, I don't know. It was kind of <clears throat> cool to like load it in, but that's, that's another thing. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Um, so you guys are obviously both really into records. What percentage of your income do you spend on records and what percentage, what percentage of your free time do you spend looking for records? Uh, I, I try to go to like a record store, like once a week, if I can, I usually just end up going to, um, uh, Amoeba. And I know we're going to talk more about like what shops specifically, but you know, it, it's just fun. Just kind of go and like dig through stuff and like come out with like five bucks worth of stuff. I really don't spend that much money on it. Um, you know, I, I don't make enough money to have to even really consider what percentage of my income goes into it. But um, if if I'm having if 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 I'm having a good month and I feel okay about myself, I'll spend like five dollars on records, and you know, I'll I'll be okay with that. And if I'm having a bad month, I'll spend like fifty and really think about how bad I feel about that. A lot, <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> So n- not not that much. I don't know, for Kevin. What's your uh... for me? Um, when it comes to to buying records, it's really like as the mood strikes me, <clears throat> and I do a lot of my shopping uh, more at like thrift shops, which is the best place, especially to find kitsch records. Because you're you're trying to avoid like the collections of stuff that everybody knows about. So so somebody's passed away, like in your case, and we've heard multiple times. Like that, and that's just how the, the Tolkien records came to our friends possession it was a friend of his that had passed away exactly so in this case it's just like you know somebody passes away or somebody needs they don't know what to do with like this box of vinyl records that they've never so they bring it to like a consignment store or something like that exactly and then you just end up with just a random collection of records sitting in a in a thrift shop and you just start going through it and you find stuff that just makes no sense yeah so when you say (laughs) you, you don't you don't even mean like a little independent record store you mean like uh freaking goodwill or something like that like oh, just a, yeah definitely oh the the, uh, the greatest record i think we ever found i found at a goodwill in santa Ana, which is the vanilla melt oh my god which um oh my god that was that was a beautiful day i bought it for like a buck and it's this 12 inch vinyl single from like the er, 92 92 92 91 maybe <clears throat> is when it came out um lavar uh 
who was a probably poised to have the most promising. No, well, he wasn't really. Sony, I think, music was like, okay, we need uh, to get another white rapper on our label to co- to compete with Vanilla Ice. So they got this young twenty year old ish white rapper and got him to make a diss record about about Vanilla Ice, and it's hysterical. It is. It is as bad as it sounds. So yeah, we we mean going to Goodwills, going to thrift shops, going to going to places where just the records have been abandoned and sitting there for years is oftentimes the best place. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and <laughs> certainly, I'm sure the best place. If you were the other type of record collector that was trying to find valuable records for cheap, that's got to be the best place to do it. Definitely, because because nobody's looking there. If there is gold in there, nobody's looking in there, and yeah. you're. It's it's a lot of very serious garage sale hunting if you want to do that, but it can be done. Um, especially if you're in like a, a, the kind of neighborhood that has an older population and people are just selling off their old like jazz records. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have all these people uh, like going to uh, like senior senior citizen communities, just going door to door, knocking on people's doors. Hey, you got any records you don't want anymore? See, that, that's, that's, that's another part of collecting that I always felt kind of weird about is this like slightly predatory aspect to it that I could never – I think that's why I like just collecting random junk. I just don't feel bad about it that way too, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> let's, um, let's try to give people a few different types of pieces of advice. Um, mm-hmm. So for one, in, in terms of listening to records – what type of setup do we need to have? It's like I, I've seen, you know, turntables for like ten bucks and stuff. Is, are all turntables the same? Are all speakers? The, I mean, well, obviously all speakers aren't the same, so I'm not even going to ask that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, like let's talk about like the turntables. And you mentioned amps. Like, what else are we going to need? Um, so I'm going to say it's actually worth not spending a lot of money, but if you're spending like. Maybe a good budget is maybe like three hundred or, or like two fifty to get like a whole setup. Or no, um, because uh, two hundred is about like a good price for a good turntable. Not all turntables are made alike, and um, the the big thing is uh, um, there are actually a lot of settings and things that you can change, like it, the needle weight. Right. And, well, and it, it depends it. what you're looking for. If someone just wants to get like they're just doing their first thing. Uh, where they just want to get a record player and I don't know, like if you're like in high school or if you're in college, get something that fits in your dorm room. Just like, you know, you can get like a, like an all in one unit for pretty reasonable. It's not going to sound that great, but it's something to play records with. Um, but I'd say if you're going to commit to getting like a real turntable, like a half step, like do the research, get a good turntable, something, you know, you can probably like 150 to about 300, you can find something really fantastic. And now what, you, what, why the extra cost and like, what makes it really fantastic? What are, what are the elements that we need to be looking for? Um, you just want it to be a well-built machine. It's going to be something you're going to lo- use a lot. Um, it's, there are a lot of moving parts. There, there are a lot of moving parts. You want something that's not going to damage your records, which is actually the thing to be concerned about sometimes when you're buying cheaper record players, that they can kind of screw it up or, like, the weight settings aren't right. Uh, I think getting something that's adjustable is usually pretty good. Um, so, and, and to explain that, you need to have a counterbalance weight so that the needle on the record like actually has the right traction force. Because if it's too high, it can damage the record. And if it's too uh, light, as I learned, your record sounds hilariously bad. <laughs> um, 
But you you want something that that's not going to break, that's going to last a long time. You can actually find decent stuff in thrift shops if you know what you're looking for. Um, but the big thing is, is you don't want to be limited by not being able to change out the cartridge head, which is you know the the whole assembly with the needle at the front. Mm-hmm. You can buy like like a, just a reasonably priced one as long as you can change that out. You can make your record player sound so much better, but cartridges themselves get like crazy expensive. Those can be for just that little part. You can pay like anywhere from like, you know, like 50 bucks to like, I don't know, maybe like like a couple hundred, few hundred for just that little piece. Just made um, made out of different materials and different made out uh, of different materials, different kinds of sounds you want to be able to draw out of it. Um, but I'd say actually invest in a good turntable and if you can avoid it, uh, don't buy speakers online um, because you won't actually be able to hear what they sound like. So that way, when you get your speakers, you're going to be happy with it. It took me like hours of shopping and just listening to things in order to get that right. Um, what you don't need to spend money on is actually the receiver. That you can go to a Goodwill, spend 30 bucks on like, I don't know, like a Sony receiver from like 10 years ago, and that's going to be just fine. Um, the only thing, though, uh, newer... Uh, newer turntables, if they have a built-in preamp, you don't need to worry about any extra things. Older turntables, you need to get an amplifier or else it's going to be too quiet. You have to actually go out of your way, buy a separate preamp in order to act as like a midway point between your turntable and your receiver. Hmm. Um, so you don't really need to spend money on the receiver. It's good to spend money on the speakers. The most important thing to spend money on is the turntable. Okay. You just want a good machine that can do whatever whatever you you need well, uh, i'm thinking one. here now about like you know a lot of people have already invested in good um like let's say a bluetooth speaker or something like that but basically like some sort of speaker unit for their ipod that basically has a built-in amp in with the speakers as well um mm-hmm. if you have some sort of setup where you already have like a speaker with an amp kind of combined in one um can you just kind of like rig a uh a turntable to that as long as it has the right inputs, um, usually it's that's that's I'd say the the if if it sounds good to you, um, like that's when when it's already playing your your other stuff, that's all that matters. It's whether or not it it, it has the actual like right kinds of hookups. So that's the other thing. Is yeah, compati- compatibility <laughs> is more important. Whatever sounds good to you, you don't need to. Analog to digital is not easy. Yeah, it, it can get kind of weird, but. Um, but yeah, I'd say really, really the important thing to focus on is the turntable and then how it might connect to your pre-existing system. I okay. just didn't have a pre-existing system, so I went you to the to Goodwill. You got to build around the turntable. Pretty much, yeah. Um, how about uh, advice just for people looking to get into uh, record collecting in general? Um, buy what you like don't that's <laughs> yeah, great advice just don't I buy mean, some I, stuff that you hate no no but but that's but that's the thing is that like i i can't well it's like if you like a band you like a style you like if there's anything in particular that you like yeah. i mean we found we found uh, records that are recordings of the jfk proceedings like, yeah if you're interested in history or an event there's probably a recording of something of that and you can use that as a jumping off point. There's there's all kinds of records out there. Well, are yeah. Any uh, any advice on where not to buy records? Um, swap meets. 
slot. Well, no. Sometimes. So, sometimes. Uh, mostly because those are going to be so dirty. Yeah. Um, it's also, by the way, an uh, important piece of advice to any record collector. Just get a record cleaner. You can get one for like 20 bucks. It's like, you know, it's it's a simple thing. You just... It's like a spin wash kind of dealio, but buy something that can actually clean your records because playing a dirty record can damage the needle and the record. Hmm. Um, so that's an important thing. But clean uh, all your records after you buy them. Yeah, clean all your records. But the the thing to avoid is anytime you go into a shop and it seems a little expensive, like keep your phone on you and like look to see how much the asking price is for something at a certain quality range. Um, don't don't let the shop dictate like how much you're going to spend if it's too much you know i i can't necessarily say avoid shopping at a certain place but if you go to a store and you keep noticing the markup is super unreasonable then just it's not worth it yeah you know yeah. Uh, uh, i've been into shops where everything was too expensive i was lucky to walk away with a really good record just because it had a damaged cover um also here's a good piece of advice if you don't care about the covers if it's damaged like as long as the record, as long as the okay. record, as long as the record's fine, like a damaged cover will get you a really good price on a nice record, <laughs> and it will actually be priced right. Or then you go and kind of like negotiate with the guy at the counter or something. Uh, d- depends. Usually they'll they'll mark it down because they know that like really obsessive like the, the kinds of guys, the kinds of record collectors that we aren't are going to be like you know like hey this is damaged I'm not going to pay this for this so they'll just kind of bump it down anyway. Um, just because it's they they know that they need to move it, but it's still a people that you know a record that people want. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. So, Kevin, Dan, tell us about your podcast. If uh, if people like the idea of the obscure records and that's something that they want to get more into, um, where can we find you guys and hear all about it? So, I would say the best place to start right now is just check out our collection on YouTube. We are there at Final Coast Productions. The show is called 44 Minutes, A Record of Records. Uh, That's where we have pretty much everything we've recorded so far. Um, But if you'd like to take us on the go, since not everybody has 45 minutes to sit and stare at a screen, um, we are available as 44 Minutes, A Record of Records on Stitcher and iTunes. Yeah. Um, and for for the iTunes one, we've we've only uploaded episodes nine through eleven right now. We're going to go back and and release the old ones later. But that was just the point where we started kind of converting everything to iTunes. So we, we figured, made the transition. Yeah, we, we figured we'll just go from there. But uh, look for us on iTunes. Forty four minutes. All right, awesome, dude, Kevin, Dan. Thank you so much for the info. Like so many things. It's funny. I've uh, I've had to sacrifice a lot of my uh, my income to be doing this podcast and. I whenever I listen to somebody tell me all about the hobby that they're really into, I'm so pissed that I don't have more money because I'm just like, oh, this is like another thing that I want to do. Um, so yeah, man, this just sounds great. Um, I and we uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no thank problem. You very much, man. And, and you know, remember, you can do this too. It's just as long as you aim your goals maybe a little bit lower. Then <laughs> <laughs> definitely. All right, appreciate it, guys. Take care. Thank you, Blake. All right, bye. Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show. 
then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.